What is up, Kangaroo Chasers? And it's coming. You've heard it all for weeks. It's finally revealed last week what it actually is. Of course, I'm talking about the Triple CRL or the Canadian Cooperative Championship Rugby League. And you guys have questions. You've asked them via our socials. Uh, and I've got two of the founders on with me tonight. So very exciting to have that. Uh, no golden points this week, but so much great content around chasing roos and chasing kangaroos at the moment. Beers with Brownie too. Check it out. Terry Liberopoulos is the founder of Greek Rugby League and Rugby League Review. He's on the, that show with Phil Brown. We've got our El Salvador versus Peru behind the scenes vlog as well on YouTube. Check that out. Once we get to 1,000 subscribers, or we're sending out 10 Steedens around the world uh, to nations that need it. Every 100 subscribers are up to 156. We're sending the first 10 Steedens out to Vanuatu Rugby League. So get around Phil and everything he's doing for Chasing Roos on YouTube. Uh, over on our Facebook page, talk about great content. But Rob Bergen, the godfather of Latin Rugby League, he uh, has spent the last three months in Brazil on development over there. Absolutely sensational. Just landed in Brisbane. He's back home for a little while. And uh, he did a one-hour Q&A about his experience. Very honest over on our Facebook page. Ended up going for an hour and a half. If you haven't seen it already, I suggest you take the time. Go over there, check it out, because it's very informative, very honest. And of course, this podcast, you know what we're doing tonight. But uh, I've already recorded next week's episode. It's our once-a-year annual NRL episode. This year, I got to do it with the bloke in a bar himself in the bloke in a bar studios, Denim Kemp. Absolutely amazing chat. We talk NRL, uh, as always, even on our NRL episode, we do talk a little bit of international rugby league, quite a bit, actually. So looking forward to bringing that to you next week. Uh, as always, matthainsport.com.au. Thank you for the support, Matty. Awesome logo designs, awesome jersey designs. Produces those jerseys as well. Check him out. Tell him you're a kangaroo chaser. Get 10% off your next production order. All right, guys, this is the longest uh, intro that I've ever recorded. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 105 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. kangaroo chasers it's coming it's coming it's almost here we know what it is now triple c rugby league the canadian cooperative championship rugby league and we've got on the line with us uh they're in the uk the president mr chris coates how are you buddy yeah i'm good i'm good uh, my eyes are like pinpricks at the moment uh just trying to read through a ton of documents but yeah apart from that i'm great Mate, you're going to be a busy man as a president of this new competition. Uh, and the vice president with us as well. For the second time in five weeks, four or five weeks, of course, you heard her on episode 100, the call-in special, our very special event. Uh, and she's back as the vice president of the Triple CRL. Sandy Shipley, welcome back. Uh, thank you for having me back. I had a lot of fun last time. I'm sure I'll have a lot of fun again. <laughs> well, it's going to be just a little bit longer this time because uh, we've got, obviously, a lot to talk about. Um, guys, 
it's coming. Um, Chris, just start off by telling us, like, who, who are you? What have you done? And how did this idea come about? Yeah, sure. So um, I've, I've, I've been involved with the game for around, well, on and off for around 30 years. Obviously, as a supporter, fan, player, coach, I've been involved pretty much at most of the, the levels yep. in the game at the moment. And uh, currently, I'm the national coach of Lithuania. And uh, I coach a community club in the UK. Awesome. Who's the club? Uh, Sheffield Forges. Nice. So, so the idea around the Forges was that you need kind of more than one club in a, in a city to generate interest. And by having a club at the north or south of the city, it, it makes kind of a really interesting scenario. So it just raises the profile. Wonderful. Wonderful. And Sandy, we know we know all about you. From episode one hundred, <laughs> yeah. But but tell us a bit more. How how did you now get involved in this with Chris? Um, God, it seems like ages ago since me and Chris had the first conversation. So me and Chris were speaking um, mid last year, kind of. You know, you know, I'm always trying to learn about the sport. So me and Chris have been speaking off, you know, like on DMs for a while, and he's yep. kind of trying to teach me about the sport. And then obviously the Toronto decision came out, and. Um, we were talking, he said, oh, I've got an idea. And I said, okay, what is it? But before that happened, I put this speculative tweet. This was after the NRL made an appointment about expansion. So they appointed this new person to expand the game. So I put a tweet called the Toronto series is what if this happened in Canada? And um, within 12 hours, there was 20,000 impressions. And within 24 hours, like, or two days, it was like 42,000. So Clearly, it was like, wow, this is this con. Even though it was a concept, it was not even like I didn't even speak to Chris about this. And then Chris sent me a message saying, "I've got an idea." After seeing that tweet that I put out and and the interest, and then he told me about it, and I said, "Right, we're doing this. Oh. Let let let's bring let's break this down." So I got my work head on, going right. Let's break this down. Let's make sure we got the right people behind this concept. And we're going to make this a reality. That's kind of, I, I feel like I'm a hijack sometimes. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, it, yeah, it, it, it was more a case of, obviously, before I kind of told Sandy the idea in the first place, I, I, I did my homework and made sure that, you know, Sandy was going to be somebody that knew enough about how to develop business aspects that, you know, should be really useful. Yep. And, and as, as, a, as a really kind of, passionate fan of Toronto and, and have has loads of contacts within that area and the game, uh, she was ideal. Yeah. Yeah, great. I passed the interview test, clearly. <laughs> 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 I, 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 I generally do my homework on most most people I talk to. So, Yeah, awesome. And so, Chris, you mentioned off air that um, this is kind of an idea that you've had bubbling away for seven years. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the genesis of that, and how has it sort of evolved into what is now uh, coming, the CCCRL? Yeah, sure. So, so back back around seven years ago, it's, it's probably around seven years ago now. It's, it's probably a little bit longer than that, in, in fact. Yeah. But um, I, I was kind of sat as a as a fan of the game and realised that there were there were clubs within the game that were kind of predominantly hand to mouth and. And that's a sad state of affairs to be in as a sport. And it's, it's, it's a really sad state of affairs to be in as a sport that prides itself on being pro first. And uh, I, I just 
kind of sat down for a while and thought, well, what 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 got us to this point? And, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, and it, it, it was just kind of a concept that popped into my head. And I just went, if you could start again, you know, if you could wave a magic wand, if you could start again with, you know, a blank slate, what would you do? Yeah. And I, I kind of, that, that idea popped into my head and it just wouldn't go away. Mm. It, it just, it was like a splinter in my brain. And it just kept coming back and kept, you know, saying, in this situation, what would you do differently? In this situation, what would you do differently? You know, if if a club has a vote or if a bunch of clubs have votes, what would you do differently? And every time something happened within the game, I'd kind of just sit down, write it down just to get it out of my mind and then park it because I just thought there wasn't ever a perfect scenario. You know, there wasn't a situation where clubs would be ultimately... I wouldn't say necessarily willing, but able to to adopt such a, a radical new model. And um, the, the more and more I thought about it, the more it just kind of fleshed itself out. And I just kind of kept parking it, thinking that there wasn't ever really going to be a situation where you would have a void of rugby league content and a, and a desire for that to you know come back. So you saw and the then, and then you saw the wolf pack being kicked out of Super League as an opportunity all of a sudden it was like hold on this it, thing i've kind of yeah, been adding to he's he's a chance yeah definitely it was, it was like a perfect storm a, a terrible perfect storm in that respect but yeah. um as a situation that it's, it's for, for for most people it's kind of a once, once in a lifetime opportunity there you know where you've got a market of fans that really want the game and you've not got it yeah it's funny because, um, Chris, when after the Wolfpack, probably a week or so after the Wolfpack, the Wolfpack's demise, we'll say demise, because I don't think, well, you might tell me differently that they're coming back, but we'll, we'll see how this conversation goes. But about a week after that sort of an uh, announcement was made or that decision was made by the Super League clubs, you messaged me and you said, oh, I'm working on something, I'm going to get it off the ground. And to be, I'll be 100% honest with you. I get messages like that all every day. People saying, oh, oh, I've yeah, got yeah. this. I put a proposal together. Can I send you this? Do you want to see this? Tell me this. And it's great. There's a lot of good ideas. But you kind of said it and I sort of dismissed it. And then all of a sudden it, it's coming. And then all of a sudden here it is. So it's pretty interesting to, to see that. And I guess the message is to anyone out there that has ambitions or ideas, write them down. Write them down. Add to it. Because yeah, yeah. one day you might get that perfect storm. <laughs> so now, mate, we've got guys, we've got... Whenever something like this happens, whenever you get an, an announcement like CCR, uh, CCCRL or anything like that in the rugby league world, you get a lot of questions. You got people that are really excited. You got people that are a little bit skeptical because they think they've seen it before, or they've heard about it before, and it just doesn't seem to work in our sport, but they keep hearing about it. So there's skeptics out there as well. So we, yeah. when things like that happen, we go out to the to the market, so to speak. We get our, our kangaroo chasers to arm us with questions. And really tonight or this morning for you guys, um, I'm just going to ask you questions and hopefully you can be as honest and open about it with me and um, yeah. we can learn all about it. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, first up, um, so I thought this was a good way to start. So Rodrigo Rezende, who uh, I think played for Brazil the other week, he wants to know what does cooperative really mean in this context? So Canadian cooperative championship rugby league what is the cooperative and 
And what does it have to do with sport? Because we don't see it that often in, in sporting terms. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take that question. So, so you know, a corporate is an organisation that's owned and run jointly by members, right? Uh, and and they share profits and benefits. And members get chances to have their say on how organisations are run. Now, the, the profits kind of mean that members receive money, rewards and offers, you know, as a result. And the corp can support its roots, you know, its community, which is, in our case, the game. You know, we need to be able to support the game and the community as a whole. Uh, and, and that's why corporate fits really well. Now, in general, obviously the research I did around all this was, you know, corporates are really, really resilient to market change. And more importantly, they give the public a say. Because, you know, how many times have you kind of wished that, uh, you know, XYZ Sporting League would listen more to its fans or that players have wished the competition had listened to them? Yep. But with, with this, it's kind of built in. You know, how many times have you thought that the public should be able to hold a league's board to account? Well, with this situation, because the, you know the league is owned by the members, you can. It just brings with it kind of that whole new level of not just financial investment and spread of risks, because you know you can spread it across an entire fan base. Yeah. But also, it gives you you know strength, unity, that that level of engagement with what I would consider the lifeblood of the game. You know, its fans. Yeah. And its players, and because anyone can be a member and anyone can have their say, it it just it gives that new level of unity that the game is always needed. And so that cooperative method, you know, is the only really way to build this spot in a, in a new area sustainably for everyone. And, and I know you mentioned, obviously, you know, that sporting organizations don't often come around like this, but actually they're, they're more prevalent than you think. So, you give us some examples you know, of where it works. Yeah, sure. So, so publicly owned sporting organizations have existed before this and still do. So, you know, you've got Green Bay Packers, who yep. are publicly owned. Yep. You've got FC Barcelona, who are a co-op in themselves. You've got the Bundesliga, who have regulations around clubs being a part owned by fans or at least 50%. So the major difference is that, you know, we've kind of seen that model and seen how it does work and leaves very strong organizations as a result. And we want to just imply, apply that entire model to the entire organization to kind of unify a sport. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like like it's happened for individual clubs, but this is the whole competition. And we've had a number of questions from, I'll, I'll shout out to a few of them, Dominic Bredger, Ken Lilford, Matt Sports, Luke Day, Mike Rojo. There's been plenty around the structure of this cooperative and how it would work. So like, will, will the fans own a piece of one team, a team, some teams, or will they own a piece of the league itself? And the league won't. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, how, so how the fan ownership will work is that fans and members in general will own the entire competition. Yep. So the, the league. So they're going to own a part of the teams, the players, and all of it all together. Now, the brilliant thing about the cooperative model is that it's essentially owned and the duplication of efforts and costs will be structured. So, you know, you ask yourself, why would you need six sets of ticket office, yep. you know, um, six sets of payroll, um, back office support, you know, why not just have one really good one? And by doing that, you're going to ensure that the delivery to the players and the fans will be consistent across the board. So whether you are a fan of one team or another within the league, you're actually going to have the same experience from from the other side. And, yep. and, and that's how we can ensure consistency. 
yeah, and, 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 and on top of that, obviously, you get um, a level of, what's the word I'm looking for, scales of economy that you just can't possibly get with standardised clubs. Yeah. So is there a limit to the amount of fans that can effectively invest? And can they expect a return on investment? Or is it like a donation, so to speak? So, so it's effectively a membership model. So, so the, the thing with corporates is that membership is ownership, right? Yeah. And then and, and that's kind of something that we need to kind of get clear is that if you're a member, you own it. You, you have a say in it. You, you vote on it. You, you decide, you know, we, we get everybody together. And because of that shared ownership model, you strengthen that league and you strengthen all the clubs to bring that kind of best environment. And, and you know, there's, yeah. there's nothing entertaining about having kind of one club that's miles stronger than every other that just runs away with it every year. Yeah. So you're strengthening every club to deliver an exciting competition. Yeah. And, and the thing is, no, no matter how much you invest, whether you were a fan that invested, say, $100 or $10,000, your vote is equal so it's it's about not putting it off to anybody who truly wants to get involved and help the league yeah. and, 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 and the sport. So there's no limit to the amount of people that could be involved? No, none at all. And all only, no. based on, only based on the number of shares that we are obviously issue out as, as a group. And those shares can be increased. Yep. Yep. So, but if I, Sandy, you mentioned like if you invest or if you a hundred for your membership or ten thousand. I'm assuming that like would ten thousand would equal much many more shares than the one hundred dollar person. Like that ten thousand dollar yeah, person so, would get more say, right? Yeah, I've, I've I've got a good good one for this. So, so members can be kind of members, and your underpinning drive is to make the game affordable for everybody, right? Yeah. And so members have their say in AGMs on things like you know costings, price settings, etc. You know how, with the direction of the game. Yep. And you have those things on purpose because you want members to have a direct say in how the company is run. Yep. But membership's only part of that component. And we need to make sure that membership's really affordable. But that there's there's another kind of share within within this organization, which is effectively preference shares. They're, they're called preference shares in, in uh, Ontario, but they could be seen as investment shares. Uh, and they're, they're at a different price range. But because they're preferences, they... they um, have preference when it comes to returning of dividends. So you buy a membership and then you buy preference shares to effectively get larger sums of money in capital investment. Yep. So, you know, that preference gives those shareholders first when it comes to the returns. And then once those are paid out, all members then get paid in that same way. And that means there's kind of options for all fans to kind of buy in whatever their budget is. Because, you know, provided they're a member, they're equal as preference shares and they carry the same vote. So it's not the number of shares you own. A, yeah. membership, a membership situation is always one share, one vote. Yep. So, you know, uh, one member, one vote, really, is what I'm really going to say. Gotcha. And that means that, you know, you could own 10,000 shares, but you're a member, you get a vote. It's yep. democratic. Mm. So what would happen? Say, for example, you want to admit a new club and you need to vote around where that club comes from, what that club's called. You would just have a shareholder meeting or or some yeah, something, we'd, and we'd how would that we'd, how would we'd, that work? We'd have we'd, we'd have you'd have a members meeting, yep. and as part of that members meeting, you would effectively put information out for all of your members to vote on ahead of the meeting, so that members are fully you know fully informed, and we don't have to go through an entire massive process. Gotcha. But all members would be fully informed of what those decisions mean. 
you know, and the and the information behind it. Because you've got one of the real core values of a cooperative is that you're kind of transparent. So you need to be able to show, you know, members that what you've done is researched well, what you've done has been put together properly, and then the members have the opportunity to have their say and a vote on the back of it. Yep. And so would membership renewal be every year or is it a once-in and you're a member for life situation? Uh, it's, it's a once-in and you're a member. Yeah, well, Excellent. That's fantastic. Um, how would someone get involved? Is that being set up now or is it – What's the process going to be if someone who's listening to this right now says, by the end of this episode, I like what I hear, I'm going to do some more research, and I want to get involved? How would they do that? Uh, yeah, so as soon as time is right, all the details on how to invest will be published. We're just finalizing a few things. But yeah, the answer, you know, it is about the opportunity will come, but in in, in due course. Um, we don't want to rush it. Yep. Um, we want to make sure everything is is correct and where it's got to be so that people can invest confidently. So you're saying it's coming. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> the, the opportunity to invest is definitely coming. Um, it's, it's more a case of there are lots of hoops to jump through when it, and lots of regulatory processes that you need to do right because, you know, we want to be here for a long time and not just a good time. Yeah, awesome. Um, Sounds good. You've answered those well. Yeah. So thank you for that and being honest with us because, you know, there's, it's, the, the concept is fairly new for rugby league. So I guess people really want to try and understand that. And I think you guys have given a good account for, for how it will work. And it's interesting. I will say that. Um, the the number one question we got and the number two question we got. So IRL, Sumo, Dinosaur League, uh, Henry Lamar, Bereft of the Dial, Oliver John, Big Al. Um, we got plenty of people asking, firstly, will the Toronto Wolfpack be involved? And secondly, will the Ottawa Aces be involved? So who'd like to take that question? I'm happy to take that. So, 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 so in, in, in kind of response to this, really, um, we're focusing on creating that organization that can allow teams to play professionally, right? Yep. And the fundamental core of that, however, is, is it has to be under cooperative values. It has to be centrally owned, right? And so they're, they're two fundamentals to you know, our organization. So to have everybody part of that same overarching co-op organization, which you know ensures that everyone's acting within the best interest of the game as a whole. So, so when it comes to all the clubs and brands being on board, nothing's really off the table. But right now, we we have to focus on growing the organisation in which the game can you know flourish in Canada, and we believe that co-op model delivers that. Now, you know, if if people come to us and say they want to be involved in that co-op model, fantastic. You know, that that's 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 an ideal situation because the more people that are involved with the co-op model the stronger it gets. Yeah. But right now we've got to focus on what we're doing and what not what other clubs are doing. Yep. Have discussions been had or have you reached out to anyone at Toronto Wolfpack or former Toronto Wolfpack or Eric or anyone from Ottawa Aces about even for just a discussion about what you're doing? So so obviously any any discussions we have like that are completely under mutual NDA and and we don't really kind of go ahead and divulge any of that, even even for a confirmation and denial. Yep, fair enough. Um, so I'm I'm assuming we don't know. Like you've you've mentioned, you're going to start with six clubs, men and women. You've mentioned that you know British Columbia, Saskatchewan. I hope I said that pronounced that cor- correctly. Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. Sorry, Ontario. I'll forgive you. You can be the Canadian translator. Uh, Sandy, that's fine. Ontario, <laughs> Quebec, 
and Alberta. So this is where these five providences are where the six teams will come from. It sounds like we don't know where exact where exactly those teams will be based, what they'll be called or anything like that. Do we have any ideas yet or can we say? Yeah, yeah so, so, so obviously it's, um, we kind of know pretty much we've, we've got a list of, of, of locations um, and, and we've, we've gone through a, a fair bit of diligence on, on where they're going to be. But um, the, the main kind of thing is that, you know, it seems to be entirely because, you know, they're, they're centrally owned and we don't want to be robbing the provincial game of all their, you know, their teams and everything. So, you know, nothing's off the table, but, you know, I think, you know, they'll be announced when the time's right. It's, it's, it's not right to really announce signs yet. You got to give us something, guys. Come on. Um, okay. So, <laughs> uh, thanks to Matt, Paul, and he can play uh, for asking questions around clubs and things like that. Um, oh, yeah. Look, I, I, honestly, I, I totally understand that. You know, fans fans want to know exactly where. Um, but you know, yeah. th- there's there's a lot to go around with that as well. Well, is it, and, oh, like I said, yeah. it's it. It's it's all about doing our due diligence and making sure that when we are announcing things that we have gone through everything to make sure it's right the first time. You know, we don't want to announce something and then say, oh, no, damn, we forgot something. We want to really make sure that everything is done correctly. You know, we really want to make this a league that is different. And Sandy, like taking off your triple CRL hat and just wearing your emotion hat for a second, you'd probably love to see the Toronto Wolfpack back or they're in some form, but... You know, the odds are it'll probably be the Toronto something else. So, yeah, it must be a tough one for you, you know, emotionally versus, you know, professionally, I suppose. The thing is, what I've come to realise really is that I'm a rugby league fan. You know, I, you know, yes, Toronto were the team that got me into the sport. But actually, you know, I'm just a rugby league fan now. You know, I'm watching the NRL. So it's the sport that has really got me driving more than anything else. You know, and, and, and sometimes, yeah, it was that one team, but actually it's bigger than that now. You know, I, I'll watch any rugby league, whether it's college level or NRL, because the sport is just awesome to watch. Yep. Awesome. Um, Port Kiwi wants to know how many teams now, which we've answered is six, and how many do you want in the future? Like, what's what does growth look yeah. like or steady growth look like? So, yeah. So at the moment, we've got six now, but it's for men and women so it's actually 12 so there are gonna be 12 um teams to cheer for yep um as such um in the future you know what sky's the limit you know the underlining thing we wanted to make sure is that this, the competition is sustainable because by making it sustainable it will just help natural growth but yeah initially it'll be six teams and each team will have a women's side and a men's side yep. we wanted the women's t- the women's competitions to start at the same time as 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 the men's yeah, beautiful. Okay, so guys, Stuart McLennan and Alan Taylor they had sim- a similar question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase, but the competition has been described in in many reports as either grassroots. It's been described as semi professional. It's also been described as professional. So what is the initial intention? And if it does have a professional element, how would how would that work? Yeah, sure. So so the, the intention really is to kind of grow sustainable, right? So to do that, there's got to be a pathway towards that professional game. And and to do it sustainably, it's got to be in phases. Yep. So so the phases to really begin with as as you know, to start out initially as pro am, right? With both, you know, you experienced professionals and provincial players working together in the same time team. Now they're all going to be paid. So you you could effectively say it's semi pro. 
right? Yep. But the intention is the organization grows and you know and the revenues to go with it. And that underlying provincial game, because that's that's a core element to this, is that we've got to have a provincial game that supports growth. Is that all players will then effectively increase their pay and become, you know, a truly semi-pro division and not be robbing from, you know, your underlying kind of provincial game because you want that to be strong. And in due time, you know, that that it becomes a full-time pro division off the back of it. It's not really a magic wand scenario because you know, magic wand scenario plans are pretty much unsustainable because you know they're not really realistic. What you what you're doing is you be you be a loss leader, and if if you're a loss leader, then you can't attract investors because there's no proof that you're making money. Yep. So so to do it as a loss leader function, you'd need somebody with unbelievably deep pockets that was willing to lose out on a ton of money in the hope that one day they'll make it back on the back end. It's, it's not a sustainable plan. So, so revenue itself will be kind of uh, generate from ticket sales, merchandise, advertising. Uh, there's some really kind of innovative use of technology with my technology hat on that I can't really go into loads of detail right now because it's kind of proprietary IP. And uh, then broadcasting, you know, and there's, there's the way we're going to go broadcast the events is it, and everything around it is kind of unique in itself. And there's more detail going to come out of that. So there are. So so in terms of broadcasting, sponsorships, things like that, that's sort of all in the works. Yep, yep, and and obviously, make no mistake about it. Though the plan is purely built around being sustainable. There's no point running with this before anybody can walk, because if you can't, you know, if you can't grow sustainably, you're just going to be here for a good time and not a long time. And and this needs to be something that's going to be around for a long time. Well, let, let's keep on that budget sort of topic, right? At Breft of the Dial on Twitter, he asks, he says that in in 2018, Forbes estimated that Canadian Premier League soccer, so the second most recent startup, uh, or recent or startup league, team budgets were 4.5 million per year. So with your 60-40 fan private ownership model, uh, with, a, with a 60-40 fan pro, private ownership model, even with a budget half the size, that's more than one million invested from fans. What kind of per team budget are you thinking? Um, I'll take that quote. So, I mean, I'm sure you can all understand that. You know, we can't really, you know, talk about budgets right now. Um, budgets are very commercially sensitive subjects, and we do intend to honor our commercial obligations. You know that that we agree upon, and when the time is right, we will be making these announcements so people are aware. Um, but I'm sure most listeners will understand that this type of topic is, you know, commercially sensitive until we have gone public on on on, on announcements. Yeah, it's spoke, spoken like a true person that does governance. I love it. It's great. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna sorry. Good. I'm gonna steer clear of uh, financial talk and club names and things like that. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Bernard Fizz and Mundalism. They are asking similar questions again. So we've had a lot of people asking the same questions, which is good. Um, we, it, oh, means, yeah, yeah. it means we're getting to some answers that people really want to hear. Um, so the Triple CRL appears to have endorsement from the Canadian Rugby League, but not the ownership of the Canadian Rugby League. Can you explain the relationship between Canada Rugby League yourselves and also the provincial bodies, so BC, uh, British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, et cetera, et cetera? Chris, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 obviously, we we approached Canada Rugby League, um, and obviously, you know, we've we've publicly announced that, you know, um, but we've been we've been liaising with them for quite a while now, and um, 
know, we delivered that vision of what a sustainable future is, where that pathway to professional rugby league, you know, and, and has a realistic plan to get there came about. And, and that's kind of our, our primary goal is to not replace any one body because, you know, they do fantastic work and it's, it's more to work in tandem with them because we know that Canada is, a, you know, a large country and to have one overarching organization for everything in itself isn't particularly sustainable. So, so, so we, we've obviously pledged to, you know, donate 10% of all of our profits back to grassroots to continue to strengthen player pools. Um, and because there's so many people doing a, a great job within Canada already, you know, we just want to help provide that pathway to stimulate that growth by giving that, you know, that opportunity, that outlet on a bigger stage to showcase talent that already exists in the country. I mean, when we were watching some of the footage and we were watching some of the highlight moments, we saw some yeah. great stuff. Where that separate organization with that, it's just about stimulating, you know, that, that strength of the game. And, and if you can do that, it shows that, you know, we can all work together cooperatively, which, which is fundamentally, you know, the whole reason we work together is that we can work with cooperatively with other organizations and we don't have to compete. And if we work together, then we're effectively generating the, the, the best version of the game. We don't have to pilfer from the game. We don't have to pilfer from, you know, um, our, our provincial bodies. We don't have to be in competition with the, with the governing body for the sport because the governing body should be able to govern and not necessarily have to run the competitions themselves. Yep. And so what we really want to do is, you know, it's, it's all about collaboration and kind of stimulating growth at the back end or by showing that there's a pathway to the pro game. Yep. And it's, it's all been done with kind of that purest of intentions. You know, we, yeah. we want to make sure that, you know, we all cooperate and deliver something that is sustainable. Yeah. And, 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 and that's why we have pledged a 10% of our profits to, to help with an increase. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of our core things is a 10% profit so that, you know, the fans who have invested in, in, in our league know that there's some good coming out of it, which means that the, you know, something will go back to them. Yeah, no, 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 um, no conscientious organization takes from the game without giving back. And we want to make sure that we're definitely giving back and, and that there's a benefit to the game as a whole long term so that we have player pools, you know, that are bigger year in years down the line. What are so you've mentioned ten percent going back to grassroots? Where's the other ninety percent go? Uh -huh. Is it is it split between the clubs? Is there a sinking fund? Is it back to investors? How does that work? Are you so so, so the, 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 there's a there's a few kind of elements to that. So obviously there was there's been conversations historically, especially around COVID, right? That um, you know. There's never been a war chest for things, and yep. it, it seems insane that you know, as rugby league as a sport, you know, we've um, we've survived two world wars, um, a pandemic, you know, before this pandemic, and each time we've survived those things, we've never had the foresight to kind of build a war chest, right? Which which seems kind of insane because foresight should you know prove that each time something like this happens. We should have the foresight to prepare for the future. So, the organisation will will you know effectively put what's called a surplus together to make sure that we can cover for those you know emergency situations and any situation that arises. Yep. And then, you know, any any remainder of profit will effectively go back to our investors, so that we've got enough to be in the pot to you know continue to run as an organisation and continue to deliver great stuff. 
and then it will go back to our investors and all of our members. Yep. Fantastic. Um, back to so the the provinces, right? So, do you foresee, say, let's take British Columbia Rugby League for example, right? Six clubs in the BCRL. Yeah. Do you foresee, say, there'll say there's one club, one men's, one women's team from BC, and you're selecting players from that competition? Is that how you see it? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the idea is that you know those players from those provincial competitions will will continue to be in their provincial competitions. Yep. And uh, as 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 we go along, we want to work in tandem with those organisations. And we've we've talked about this. And effectively, we will liaise and work with all those organisations to make sure that seasons you know don't clash with each other, so that we can take the best players from each of those each of those yeah. provinces and and have them involved with professional selves. Yep. How long would a season go for? So obviously first season, to actually talk about that a little bit. So first season is a nines tournament at Lamport due to COVID, obviously. How, how does it work yeah. after that? How long will a season go for in 2023 and, so, and, for, and moving forward? So, so we're going to have, uh, so obviously 2022 will be the launch, you know, the festival of rugby um, that we will obviously announce um, later on. But after that, it will be an East versus West competition division. And um, so three from the West will play against uh, like a round robin and the same for the East. And then the top two of each will meet up back at Toronto for a kind of a, a big semifinal final day where we have lots of rugby league to play and kind of have that celebration of rugby league again with those with those four teams that have have made it to the, the, the top of each division. And yeah. then and depending on obviously how it goes, we obviously the, um, the following year is add another team in each division. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, then, it's that sustainable yeah. growth. We, as yeah. long as we've got those players to, you know, sustain yeah. the growth of the number of you know teams we have, then yeah. the expansion will continue. Uh, and, yeah. and the idea is that then, you know, your, your four-week competition will turn into a five-week competition, will turn into an eight-week or a nine-week competition yeah. because then you play double round robin. Yeah. And it's that kind of um, method of growth that is more sustainable. So what we don't want to do is go, you know, say we've got, if we turn around and said tomorrow we've got 16 games, what we'd actually be doing is pilfering and pretty much shutting down all of the provincial competitions because there wouldn't be enough time in the season for them yeah. to yeah, that's be involved why provincially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what we want to do is grow the game progressively so that we're not taking all the players away from the provincial teams forever. And, and then as the provincial numbers swell and they become you know, more able to sustain, if, if, if they get to the point where they've got effectively two teams worth of players, then we know that at that point, we're probably right to start growing as a competition ourselves in the number of fixtures that we run. Yep, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. So it's a bit of a representative round model almost as well in that respect. Um, and, and so yeah. starting off as nines, Andy M wants to know, do you switch to 13s eventually? How does that look? Or is it just an, is it a nines competition for the foreseeable future? Um, yeah, so the 13s as a concept, there's, there's two things. It requires a significant amount of players. And B, it doesn't necessarily make the game easy to pick up. I mean, I'm a new fan, and it doesn't make it easy to pick up. Um, but there will always be a nines, and a 13s division may spring up, you know, out, out, out of that. 
But for now, we are focusing on delivering a competition that is realistically based on numbers and showcasing the 13th games, maybe as a special event. You know, it, it, it's, it's easier to get people into the sport, especially if they're new. You know, there's a lot of athletes who might have not played rugby league before, but they're very athletic. So by doing a nines, we're giving them an opportunity to actually get into the sport in a way that's easier to understand. And if they oh, really yeah. like it, then we, you know, there's, there's opportunities within the country that they could actually participate in, in, in the 13s for now. But yeah, so, so the, the, yeah, the important thing is that, you know, nines is sustainable and realistic with, with the play numbers that we already have around Canada, yeah. right? And it, the nines competition itself provides kind of opportunity for exciting things to occur. You want to, you want to be entertaining for fans. It kind of also really lowers that barrier for entry that fans and athletes, you know, who are gifted, especially especially for athletes who are gifted, you know, physically gifted athletes, yep. to kind of give our sport a chance. It lowers the barrier of entry for fans to watch it and not have to be invested in just watching, you know, a full 80 minutes of content. They could watch, you know, a couple of games and actually be involved and still watch those games. And we, we need to kind of change our model and say that, you know, fans who you know, don't watch 80 minutes of rugby every week and not real fans because that's that's turning people off our game. We need to we need to be more accepting of all fans and all fandom because it's it's more important to be in the general public side than it is to just yeah. showcase 80 minutes of linear content. And and the thing is, if you look at North American sports, you know, look at Toronto Maple Leafs or Toronto Raptors. Not every fan watches the entire game. You know, and, and but you wouldn't say they're less of a fan because they're not watching the entire game. You know, it, it, it's 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 not that way. It's you know, fans can can be in different ways, and by having a nines, it's flexible that way. It allows them to to kind of dictate how they want to watch the game. Yeah, no, that's not that's not to say that thirteens is is not going to happen at a later date, right? No. So 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 thirteens thirteens is just as important. Because we need to make sure that we're, de we're developing players towards you know that that national and international level that we want to eventually kind of get as an end goal. But those 13s games right now will be showcased in kind of a one-off format because we want to be able to showcase the, you know the best players in each of those nines and effectively put them in 13s. Yeah. So that we can showcase you know your your best competition options, and then as the game becomes sort of more sustainable and and kind of more well put together then, you know, you, you, it may become the fact that you might just create a separate 13s competition that runs off the back of the 9s competition. Yep, yep. And what sounds very slow, steady, considered. So it's good that this much thought is going into it. Good to hear. Well, we definitely don't want to run before we can walk. <laughs> that's, <for sure. laughs> that's right. <laughs> Sandy, what sort of, um, you're close to a lot of the old Wolfpack fandom uh, in Toronto. Getting any feedback from these people? Happy that rugby league's back. What are you? What are you sort of getting on the ground in Toronto itself? When the news came out, yeah. So when the press release came out, my direct messages were just off the hook. The excitement of just having rugby league again, you know, was just something optimistic for them to look at. They were really excited, and I think. Um, in a way, because it was taken away from them in the way it did, you know, that hunger for that sport. Because, like I said, you know, people became rugby league fans, not necessarily the Wolfpack. They became a fan of the sport and they just wanted to be able to watch the sport again. 
So they were very, very excited. And they, they just want to say, you know, how can I help? Is there any way I can help? You know, I'll tell people about it. You know, they really and I think showing optimism in good news format is 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 one thing we we as a board were very excited to, to, to do is show them some good news to look forward to. It's good to see some positivity after that Wolfpack news for sure. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Paul Arendale wants to know, can you guys approve an English-based club and then kick them out three years later? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm, not, uh, I'm not really sure we can answer that. I'm no honest. comment? No <laughs> comment. Nope. Fair enough. <laughs> but it, yeah. in that vein, we had a lot of questions. Mohit Hakkasan, John Atherton, Mundalism, Big Al Hutch, plenty of people asked uh, questions around expansion like so will you accept clubs from overseas in particular the u.s so people are talking about cleveland chicago los angeles queen city royals usa roll clubs like is is expansion and u.s expansion in particular on the cards potentially in the future or will those opportunities uh, be Andy, do you want to say that yeah, one the, yeah yeah so like nothing's on the table okay however we're focusing right now on delivering a sustainable product in canada first that has to be our, our focus at the moment. Um, obviously, we'd love to talk with other groups who who want to deliver the same model as we are elsewhere. Great, but like I said, yeah. it has to be the same model and un- undermine you know un- underpinning the cooperative way in which we're doing it. But like I said, nothing's off the table. However, as a group, we are focusing on delivering a sustainable model that people can look at. Yeah. So 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 there is there is kind of a, a beauty of this the co-op idea, right? Is that Part of cooperative values is to support other cooperative bodies for the good of everybody. So that that could be shared buying power, that could be better scales of economy, that could be you know lending assistance in business development, and those cooperative values are really important to us. Yep. So so you know we 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 totally love nothing more than to kind of have an America's Championship with multiple different conferences based around America and and Canada that you know play each other at the end of the season. So you could have, you know, a, a Canadian championship. You could have a Jamaican championship. You could have a Brazilian championship. You could have a, a California championship. And they could all effectively, you know, or a North American championship in general. And then they could all effectively, you know, join that playoff run as a, as a grand final route. But to do that, it has to really be that cooperative way because we want to make sure that when that happens we can all pull in the same direction and we're not just competing against each other so if if say and this is a question from dan towers around canadians versus americans for example um but i'll rephrase it now with that information you've you've just given us say canadian rugby league had a nines tournament with their six clubs and they wanted the champion to play your champion that wouldn't be able to happen because their league is not a cooperative league it would need to be different is that right? No, no. It, it, it's an interesting concept. I think that that Canam tournament is an end season showcase is a great idea. Yeah, I think it's more a case of, you know, cooperation is is a fundamental thing that we have to make it a, a fundamental for everyone. And that you know that doesn't mean that we we be kind of pulling everything off the table for any other competition to you know play with us. So, so a Canam a Canam tournament sounds a fantastic idea, but yep. we'd have to really talk to people in, in detail about how that ties together. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing it's way too early to be even speculating or considering things like that. But um, I guess yeah, like we, the, we've we've kind of got we yeah, we we've yeah. definitely got to have a competition first to make that a possibility, haven't we? 
Definitely. Um, Raheem wants to know, is there success and failures to be learned from the Toronto Wolfpack situation and Canadian Women's Hockey League? Um, I don't know much about Canadian Women's Hockey League, but I assume there was a bit of a failure there. Any lessons uh, learned? There's, there's tons of lessons with this. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so I'll, 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 I'll let you do that because you've got your list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It goes, it goes back to researching again, doesn't it? And, and doing lots of homework. So, so obviously we, we're not going to bring down the efforts of either organization, right? Yeah. Now both have, have done great things over the years. And without the hard work of, you know, things like the Wolfpack, you know, there wouldn't be even fans out there wanting to support mm. as much in Canada. Yeah. And so for that, we know we're, we're totally grateful. Right. Um, but the, the, you know, the, there are failings, and we do you need to learn, you know, that key lesson from history in general is through transparency, right? Yep. I, I think transparency is a really big one because, you know, if if you're if you're a, a cooperative group, you know, you're made to keep everybody appraised of all the organisations' operations, and and members, board members are accountable, to, you know, to their to their fan base, to to the people who invest in it. The problem problem with a lot of organizations is that they, they believe that everything has to be a secret and the problem with that is that you operate in isolation and if you're operating in isolation then eventually what will happen is you know people won't believe in it and and, and you know there are a few reasons for the, the canadian women's hockey league to, to kind of fall by the wayside but one of the things that was brought up in, in the very beginning or brought up during that kind of course of events was that there wasn't a trust that things were transparent enough. There wasn't enough information to deem that investment you know, like worth it. And, and I think pure transparency with, with your members and ensuring that everybody is appraised of what's going on is a much better way to be because then people know whether they need to help as opposed to waiting for something to blow up. Yep. So yeah, I guess to answer the question is there's loads of successes and failures to be learned from that. Um, you know, one is don't grow too quickly because if you, if you try to grow too quickly, you're, you're running before you can walk and then you become a lost leader. And once you become a lost leader, it's unbelievably difficult to attract investors who want returns yep. because they can't see it on the books. And, 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 and as boring as it might sound, the, the, the thing of we don't want to run before we can walk, that is very true, though. You know, we want to make sure that we're doing this the right way so that, you know, we can make this a game for a very long time, you know, um, and not just for a few years, you know. So well, it's a boring answer, no, but, but actually it's a, it's, it's a very important one. There's pressure to make a profit from the get-go. Am I right? Yeah, but there the, the has to be because if if you're not doing it to make if you're not doing it to make uh, you know ends meet at, ve- at the very least, then what you're really doing is 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 just plumbing money in and hoping that you get money off the back end, and and that even that model isn't sustainable and will put other potential investors off. So if you're going to do it, you've got to be doing it to at the very least break even, if not make a, a decent profit off it. And our model pretty much is built around that. But that's the thing with any business, you know, you know, you're starting your own business card. You're not going to say, you know what, we're going to lose all this money for about a year and then start thinking, making money. You want to make profit as soon as you can. You know, it's, it's, it's about, that's the ultimate line. So it's, it's, it's not a new concept of profit has, you know, is, is important. You know, we're not going to just, 
you're not going to run your business carbs for like five years, always on a loss. Oh, look, I'm, no, no, of course. <laughs> we, in business, you want to make money. Okay. But I'm just in, I guess in sport, especially here in Australia, the concept of a sport making money, um, it's difficult. So, you know, for a startup in Canada, for rugby league, it might be difficult as well. And that's the reason I asked the question. It will be difficult, I guess. But obviously the, oh, yeah. the pressure is there. There's, there's totally going to be challenges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's totally yeah. going to be challenges. But fundamentally, if, if you're proving that, you know, the market is there and, and the revenue generation is there and you're proving that, you know, you're, you're operating sustainably yep. and you're operating within kind of a really good kind of um, model, then you can take those numbers that, and you can be kind of transparent with your investors and say, well, this is where we're at and this is the level of investment to kind of take us to the next level. But they'll have confidence that because you're being transparent with them, they know exactly where they stand the whole time. Ian from East Leeds uh, wants to know, this is a good question, I think, given development stages of pro women's teams in sport, including rugby league globally, and increasing media and corporate interest, are, are you basing any decisions at all on women's rugby league in Canada, having maybe greater potential to grow a little bit quicker into an elite sport uh, for media and sponsorship levels as well, um, especially considering, you know, the Ravens are at the, the World Cup this year? I mean, do you think there's potential that, uh, the women's side of this could grow faster than the men's side. Yeah, so so, so we, we've kind of got our ears to the ground on all this stuff because obviously part of our major decisions around making you know an equal standing competition where men are women are on that same billing, you know, is is not just a you know an idealistic decision, but it's also a business decision, right? And you know, if you can have that equal opportunity, equal standing competition when women and men are not, I'll say, I've intentionally said it the other way around because, you know, women, women and men are on the same building and not just men and women as an afterthought. Yep. Any, any organization that's forward thinking would be mad not to think that. Right. And, and if you can showcase talent, you know, on that, you know, male and female on the same ticket, it's huge. And I think that personally, that won't be ignored by, you know, bigger commercial organizations that will see that opportunity to be attractive and support equality from day one. Yep. And I think, I think if you do that, then you're kind of showing a new way of doing things. You know, women shouldn't be on a completely separate ticket to the men. Yep. There's nothing that says you can't have a women's and a men's game if you do it in the right format on the same day and have the same group of fans supporting both teams because they're both the same yeah. club. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Ethan Andrews wants to know, uh, and we've touched on this a little bit, but I guess I'd like it. It's the second part of the question that I'm interested in more, but where will the competi competition sort its, sort its players from? So we know it's going to be from the provinces. And will there be any combines? Will we be able to target players from outside of Canada? You know, will there be a, an overseas quota of sorts? Like, do you expect to see, you know, guys from Queensland Cup or New South Wales, for example, those sorts of levels or lower coming across and and being a part of it? Uh, yeah. So so the, the obviously the where so the that there's a few areas to go. So I'll, I'll look at where we're gonna look at where we're gonna target. So obviously we've got the provincials, but we've also got universities. You know, one one comment I made before is about athletes. Yep. There are many athletes who have got so much talent but never had the opportunity to actually know about rugby league or even try it out. So we're opening it up to any athletic individuals 
who want to either get involved or learn about, et cetera. We, we have a very good re uh, recruitment process where we're going to make sure we, we've got the right people for the sport and actually help them develop because we don't want to say, no, you can't play. We want to say, do you know what? This is what you need to do. We want to help you develop so you can join us. You know, um, so in terms of we're going to focus on Canadians of being Canadian, obviously, league, we would love to because there's so much talent. If you look at YouTube, there's so much talent that are, are based in Canada, Canadian players, both women. And, and it's like it, it'd be a shame not to just let them have a platform to actually play in their country, a sport that they absolutely love. And there is a lot of talent out there. They just, you know, the, we want to give them the platform. So we're not necessarily thinking about international players or you know having people from australia or wherever coming in we are focusing our league on canadian players that's one thing you know the wolfpack were criticized by not looking at the talent that we have in-house we want to call it that way and yet that's what we want to focus on we want to give them a platform to showcase the skills that they have and to help them yeah. develop that yeah so, so i guess i guess in summary, the easiest way to explain that is yes, right? <laughs> that sounds crazy, but you know, it's, it's, it's a combination of all of those things, right? Yeah. So, so uh, you, you're going to have existing Canadian talent. You're going to have you know Canadian athletes who you know, are going to be a, a fundamental core of what we want to, to deliver. But then you know you you could have combines, you can have target signings, you can have you know pr pros coming in from from other competitions to lend. Not just star power, but great experience to all of those teams. Yeah, and it's it's that kind of blend of all of those things that I think will make us unique. It's interesting. I just put you know, if I was working at an NRL club or something like that, I'd keep a close eye because uh, there could be some so, potential so talent is that, there. Is that you saying? Is that you saying you might apply? <laughs> no, no, I'm just no, no. But, but no, so, so, so how, how many sports? How many sports worldwide have what I would call uh, athlete development programs? Like you've you've got the NFL where people come from other sports and, and join the yeah, NFL, yeah, yeah. Right? exactly. And and there's there's every reason why great athletic ability should be able to transition to our game if you get it right. Of course, totally, yeah, 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 hundred percent. Uh, so that's not me, Sandy. Unfortunately, um, great effort. Oh come on, I, I'm I'm optimistic. <laughs> maybe maybe ten years ago, not even, not even. Um, <laughs> um, we keep getting guys. I should have warned you about all the Toronto Wolfpack questions. Ed Lambert and McGee OKC. Um, they're sort of asking about the nostalgia and momentum around what the Wolfpack created at Lamport, and being able to a cash in on that. And, and sort of grow, I won't say cashing actually, grow from that momentum and, you know, attempts to sort of create the same sort of atmosphere with some grassroots as well in other parts of the country. I mean, is that, that's got to be the plan, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I've been very lucky. I've been to a few games at Lampor and it's, it definitely was a special place to be. I always call this party central because yeah. it, it was party central and clearly there is a market in toronto right i mean it, it, it's it's obvious from obviously other people's comments of when they've been etc it's not just me as a canadian saying it you know it was special and we would be crazy to pass that on you know just say right we're not going to do that it's you know it, it's crazy so in year one like i said we are going to be showcasing the best in that environment with that format um, and, and really show people that that format works. And what we want to do is our intention is to replicate 
that, that environment and that game day experience at all the other parts in the country when we go into the East versus West um, um, co competition because it works, it's very unique, and it really is a family atmosphere. It's a party atmosphere, it's a family atmosphere, and it's just a fun environment. And yeah. it'd be silly not to maximize that. Yeah, I, I think you're right in that. Obviously, the, the Toronto situation and the Toronto environment for a game day experience is, is you know, second to none. And what you really need to be able to do is deliver that same kind of experience to fans everywhere across the country. Yeah. So, so you know, we, we kind of deliver that same experience to everyone in, in different locations. And you grow your geographical footprint with the same model. Yeah. Did you attend any Wolfpack games, Chris, in, in Toronto? Uh, I'd... I'd uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to. My day job is um, quite intense, actually. So, so I, I, I visit kind of many, many like research institutions and deliver kind of high performance computers. So, yep. uh, my, my time to kind of get out to lots of different games is, is limited. Yep, fair enough. I haven't been to a Canadian game either, so that's you know I'm not going to judge. Just trust me, guys. It's really good. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, 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 literally, I've, everything, I've, everything I've seen and heard from people I know, everything I've seen about uh, the environment, everything, everyone I've talked to has always said that, you know, that environment is amazing. Yeah. And if you can bottle that up, you know, we, we've, we've, the thing is that as, as a game, we seem to have these cycles of where we, we push the boat out and we do things in the right way, right? So, so you've got, you know, Bull Mania, you've got, all those environments where you showcase that great day, game day experience and then for some reason we kind of stop doing it. And then we kind of get we, we kind of go back to our bread and butter and not just continue to showcase great experiences. And it's got to be more than just about the rugby because if it's just the rugby and something happens to the, the quality of the team, as an example, then fans get switched off. But if it's more than the rugby and it's entertainment, then people will be entertained, regardless of whether you're winning or losing. Yeah, and and it's that entertainment piece that we've really got to get back within professional sport, especially yeah. in our sport. Um, let's look at the NBA. New York Knicks, pretty shit. For, oh, they've been okay this season, but they haven't been great in recent times. But they sell out every week mm. or every game. Yeah, so yeah. it's because, uh, because they want to be they want to be entertained. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen Have you seen the Ma the Maple Leafs? We've not done them well since 1966, and yet it was a seven, and yet we still sell out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that that sounds like you got a bit of a chip on your shoulder there, so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I you know what I say. I always because obviously the England soccer team and the Maple Leafs won the big competition in the same year, and I always ask the question: Who's gonna who? Which of those two are gonna win the next First. one? Will it be England? <laughs> yeah. Will be England or is it going to be the Maple Leafs? Well, we'll see. Hey, England might win a World <laughs> Cup on home soil at the end of the year, guys. You don't know. Could happen. Could happen. Yeah. Um, Big Al wants to know, he wants to know about salary cap. Is there one? Uh, so, obviously, there's, there's things to talk about and, and caps are part of budgets. Again, so as I can't go into really loads of detail, unfortunately. Um, yeah. All I can say, really, is that, obviously, as a centrally owned competition, um, there's a little reason to have caps if you're centrally owned and you own all the players anyway. Yeah. Because you know all, all the players are owned by the competition, not necessarily just the clubs. It might be and a so salary was, budget know. instead of a salary cap. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> you want to be able to attract and retain all of your talent, right? And if you if you're in, in putting in arbitrary caps, 
the problem with that is that as an organization, you can't retain the talent that you need and you'll lose out to people who are willing to pay more. So would you say, okay, this club over here needs a bit of help, so we're going to spend a bit more money on on their squad this season? You know, so it won't necessarily be completely even, which is fine. So, so no, the, 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 the intention is that, you know, fair, fair competition for all. So, yeah. you know, if, if a team finishes bottom of the, the division the season before, yep. then, you know, they'll get first draft the season afterwards. Yep. And that they'll get first pick of, of new talent the season after. And the, the whole idea of that is that it then generates a leveling scenario where, you know, teams always have that opportunity to win from anywhere. Because if you don't have that, you know, you have far too many dead rubber games. And no, it sounds awful, but the number of people that get switched off for a game that means nothing to either team yep. is, is, is a real problem within professional sport in general. So we want to be able to create an environment where anybody can win it from anywhere every year. Yep. Uh, Final question, I think, from me, one that just popped into my head. So, Sandy, you're living in Leeds. Chris, you're living in Sheffield, I presume. Competition in Canada. Yeah. Are you guys moving over? Or what's going on? I, I don't think Chris's wife would want to. I don't know. I, I think I think Chris would have a lot more convincing to do than I would. <laughs> yep. I, 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 I don't necessarily think I'd have that much convincing to do. I think that the, the real important <laughs> bit is, um, you know, d- down the line, you know, some, something becomes great. I, I've always been the, a person that will effectively, what's the word I'm looking for, move where the work is. I think loads of people do that. Um, and, you know, down the line, there, there may be opportunities, but right now we, we've got some great people uh, that obviously oh, yeah. you guys don't know about yet that are already yeah. based in Canada on the ground doing work for us. Yeah. And, and obviously more information will come out about those over time, but you know, the, this, this organization really isn't just me and Sandy, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's, it's a much wider board that have loads of great talents in their individual expertise. And, and- Cause we want to get, we want to get those, the best people, involved with those kind of talents on board because you don't, you don't want to be a jack of all trades and master of none. If you've got people who are great at those individual talents, then get them in. The thing is, you know, me and Chris are, we know our strengths and what they are. And there's no way that we would pretend to be strong in, in everything that you need to do about running anything. So it's about bringing the, the right people in that will make this this concept a success. Yeah. It is truly a team effort here. Perfect. Yeah. And that's uh, the, one of the one of the joys that go, going back to the whole cooperative idea again, you know, that ideal model that I keep talking about, right? Um, so so cooperatives uh, are based around the idea that not just money but, you know, experience and talents are a commodity item, right? So so if you've got people who want to be involved with the cooperative that can help the specific goals. Say, for instance, um, they're, they're a solicitor or, or they're an accountant or they're, they're skills that you need as a group. And so people who want to be involved with the cooperative for those things should really come and talk to us because that you know those commodity skills make the cooperative a stronger organization. And it's, it's all those, those skills. And I'm not saying specifically that those skills are needed, but what I'm saying is that anybody who has a talent for a particular kind of field, you know, they, they have something that they can lend to it and it's not just about money. Yeah. 
Well, good answer. You know, if it was just you two from the UK, I'd, I'd start asking questions myself. But you've answered that well, and you've got people, a, a wider team, which is great. Um, guys, yeah. I'm out of questions um, for, for now. <laughs> I mean, there's, other, there's others, but we've been going on for an hour. I think we've gotten as much as we can. I think we've got a much clearer idea, and our listeners certainly have a much clearer idea f- for what this is all about. I hope if you're, you know, if yeah. you're enthusiastic or yeah. you're a skeptic, I hope we've been informative and i hope i've been able to ask the right question with the help uh, questions with the help of the listeners um guys is there anything i've missed or anything you want to mention before you guys before you um, give um give all the socials a plug and things like that i i was i was actually going to mention so this time i just want to kind of touch on one of the previous questions yeah um and it was around kind of nines right and it's, it's whether uh, i believe one of the questions was you know are, are we going to travel from bc to saskatoon for, for a nines again right and uh, one of the one of the points kind of regarding travel is that you know in a three team division you've got two sides that would travel to attend the third team's location yep. in your divisional structure, and that means that it gives fans six games to watch. So that's that's over two hours worth of entertainment, and out of those out of those games you get the opportunity to watch your team in either male or female equivalent four times. Yeah. So you get the side, you know, you're you're going to see your side four times, and that's 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 definitely worth the travel. So it's not just like you're traveling. From one location to another for you know twenty minutes worth of game, I think that that whole nines concept. If, if you were just traveling from one game, yeah, I totally understand that that would be an issue. But you're traveling for more than two hours worth of entertainment. Yeah, it's an event. Yeah, it's, it's totally an event, and and that kind of that's that's the beauty of the nines competition is that you can show more. So you can show more different varied content. Than just watching one game that might be over. And this is the crazy thing, right? If you if you watch one game, the game itself might be over if it was in thirteens after twenty minutes. Yeah, one team might be running away with it, and and you're basically there for the remainder of the game, just thinking, "I'm going to drown my sorrows," right? And um, with with this opportunity, you get the opportunity to pretty much have varied content all the way through. So if if you're losing one game, it'll be you know, oh, we're losing this game, but we've got another we've got another opportunity to get a win today. Yeah. Unless you're a Dragons fan like me, you probably lose all of them. St. George of the Dragons, shout out. They are. If you're a Panthers fan, we'll get used to winning. I knew you were going to say that. I've waited, I've waited an hour and 12 minutes. I had to. Sorry, I had to. I was, was going to say, just, just, just a little plug at the very end of the dig. I love it. It's great. Sandy, where can we follow right. or where can the people, the kangaroo chasers, follow the triple CRL online? So we've got, um, oh, there's so, so many platforms. We've got Facebook, which is obviously Canada Cooperative Championship. Um, and then we have Twitter, which is CanChamp RL. We've got, if anyone's got any information, it, you just email us on info at CanadaChampRL.com. Yeah, um, so, so we, with, we've got like, we've any, got, any yeah. questions. Cause, yeah. So we, we've got our website at CanadaChampRL.com. Uh, we've got uh, Facebook and Twitter, and, and they are CHChampRL. And then uh, on Instagram, we've, we've got CCCRL1. And then there are more channels to come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. There, there's, yeah, there's, there totally, there's totally yeah. so much to come. Um, yeah. I think that that's the, that's the really kind of thing I, I want to kind of finish on, is that, you know, we, we've, we've kind of talked to you about little bits, and, and it's just an announcement base, but there is so much more that we've done in the time that we've had it as a secret. I mean, that, oh that, God, that's the crazy secret. thing is that... <laughs> that was that, crazy. Nothing, nothing, nothing is a secret. Stuff. Yeah. No, nothing, yeah. Nothing seems to be a secret in Rubili circles, but yeah, th- this oh has been God. a secret for more than so four long. months. 
Yeah. You did that, a, that must be a record. You did a good job to keep it a secret. <laughs> there aren't many of those. I look forward to the TikTok channel. And uh, I look forward oh, to. I look, are, you, are you joining in? Are you? I'll dance. You? I'll dance for six seconds. I don't mind. Um, but yeah, look, guys, looking you know forward. We'll hold you to that, right, Caps? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, you, it, it's, it's no one's gonna. Recording. No one's gonna. I'll, I'll edit this part out. Um, no, but out, yeah. but we won't do that. We won't do that, Mercho. Um, so, oh, guys, thanks for thanks for jumping on, making things clearer. Um, looking forward to more announcements to come. You can always share that with us, and we will, of course. Uh, do the same with our with our listeners. Um, if anyone is in- interested in contacting you, then they know how to do that now. And uh, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and totally. I mean, I, I had a good discussion on Twitter with, with a couple of fans uh, yeah. the other night, and one of the things that I kind of mentioned is that you know, if you if you're an organisation that wants to pride itself on being accountable, you've got to be approachable. Yep. So you know, we yeah. want to be approachable to everyone. Great stuff. Good to hear, guys. Um, good luck. Plenty of work ahead. But uh, it's coming, and uh, looking forward to seeing more of it. So, Chris Coates, Sandy Shipley, thanks for chasing kangaroos with me tonight. Well, thanks no for having us. Thanks for having us. Chasing Kangaroos is brought to you by Matt Haynes Sport. We are mixed and produced by Paul Murchison. Our theme music was written and recorded by Ash Barco and Ricky Cancino. The podcast is hosted by me, Michael Carboni, and The Biggest Tiger. Views are our own.